A kin to splitting the atom, Ben and Ryan attempt to split their guests apart from their egos and explore the deep, ominous cave called vulnerability, attempting to shine a combined light on the treasures that hide in the dark. Without taking themselves and each other too seriously, they are engaging in conversation between themselves and with guests in a very own humorous way. We hope you enjoy listening to Spill Your Guests. Hey, it's Ryan here. I just want to apologize for the terrible quality audio in this episode. And uh, to explain why it's so short, we did record a good hour and a half more. But part of our deal is to communicate with everybody who we mention, whether whether or not we mention their names, um, about what we're talking about. That's otherwise we wouldn't be very vulnerable and that allows them the chance to ask that it not be released um that or that they're not mentioned at all and we ran into somebody who'd prefer that that content not be released um and it's sort of woven into the hour and a half i'll see what i can do if i can split something out and make a part two of this but That's just to explain why we talked for less than half an hour. We actually did talk for maybe two and a half hours in total, but um, all that to say, more to come. And thanks for listening. So polyamory, multiple partner relationships, whatever we want to call it. Um, Ben was curious about this topic, right, Ben? Well, the thing is, I I can barely have a singular relationship, let alone juggle up multiple. So, <laughs> I'm curious to see how you can actually be able to love so genuinely and and uh, uh, numerously. So, you you have experience uh, living this lifestyle. I don't know how long it's been for you, Ryan, because last time. I saw you. I didn't really know that you were doing this. Well, last time you saw me, I was married. Well, when you met me, I was married. Well, I met uh, you. I saw you, though. It was in Germany uh, at the beginning of this year. Yeah. And we were, yeah, we were polyamorous at the time. Uh, and we have been off and on for a few years. To explain, I'm in a relationship with someone who lives on another continent. Um, and we've been apart almost more than we've been together over the past few years, over the course of the relationship. So in an attempt to alleviate the, uh, physical stresses put on the body by lack of affection and sex, um, we tried to figure out a way that we could do that without hurting each other and we've gone through multiple iterations of it but I think we're finally getting somewhere 
So what are, what, tell me about these iterations. What does it look like? What's one iteration different from another iteration of this, of this form of relationship? Style? Oh, okay. That's a good question. It's more like, um, so initially you figure it's an open relationship and, oh, I'm free to do whatever the fuck I want. She's free to do whatever the fuck she wants. And then you start playing with things until some you play with fire until someone gets burned and then you come back and you say hmm, we have to talk about why that failed and and why you know one of us got hurt and and then you come up with a new iteration which is like okay let's be let's talk about what happened after it happened and then uh we'll assess well, if it was good for you or bad for you or good for us or bad for us. Um, okay. And then you go through that and sure you can go through that, but what about the fact that you are mentally aware of when your partner is probably a little less communicative and probably having sex with somebody at that moment. And then comes the, who are they with and all those questions you never asked because the agreement was to um, to not tell until you know later on. So and then you come another iteration. Now you're going to say in advance, or another is you're going to tell the person that you're in a multiple partner relationship first, and see how they react to it. See if they have any interest in who your partner is, any respect for them. That might help make the uh, the whole thing a little smoother. So there are so many different ways to do it. Unfortunately, it's like a, a, a trial and error kind of thing in many cases. And um, it's, and also you run it. The thing is when you meet somebody, you're, you're going through that honeymoon phase and they look like the most perfect person to you always. Like that's how all the relationship, all relationships start typically. Right. And so you jump in, you dive in, it's so exciting. And then later on you realize, Oh shit, like that person was manipulative or that person had problems that I ignored because we were in our honeymoon phase. And so it's, it's like we're exposing each other to that honeymoon phase over and over and over again. Um, and that, I think that's where it gets really dangerous because you kind of have to back off before you even get excited and be like, is this, is this right? Is this the right person to pursue this with? Well, don't you think like total honesty is, is key to, uh, making that work like, and to be able to have that communication. And so to find, I guess, people who are willing to be that open and honest about all aspects like that. It's rare, I think. I, I, fa I found it's easy to find people who are saying they're open to things. It's hard to find people who follow through. Um, or people who will say that, you know, there won't be uh, such an emotional attachment. There's They understand what the scenario is. And then... Um, you know, naturally things happen and, you know, you develop a deeper connection and I'm guilty of doing the same thing of actually 
lying to myself about how deep my connection with somebody else was getting. So it also, I guess, I guess you could say is if every relationship has a foundation, this process is going to find every little crack. Or let's say your, uh, your relationship is like the roof on your house. Sometimes it's going to rain and sometimes it's going to fucking pour. And if anywhere it drips down in the house, that's, you know, that has to be addressed. It has to be solid. Yeah, there has to be a solid understanding or it can escalate. It can escalate, I'd say, much faster, much more aggressively than uh, a relationship with, with less communication. It's a, it's a more dangerous game to play, but uh, I personally feel at this point it's a more honest game to play. And like you said, it's more open, open for everyone, ideally. The partner that you're the the partner you have the person you that you that you're also with the person that your partner's with ideally but it's hard to find that ideal situation. Can you define elements that like put together that impenetrable roof like that shelters the framework of the relationship? Okay. Yeah. So, can you can you just like what are some of the elements that allow that to, I guess, exist for you uh, and subsist? I I think um, I think basically coming up with your own recipe for it. Like I don't think there is a general list you can make for any couple in an open relationship because people are coming in to the relationship with their their own personalities their own understanding their own expectations of the other person um so it's sort of dangerous to just say oh well here step one step two step three you have to form your own steps and sort of come up with okay so you know you feel like shit when i don't tell you um everything and you basically have to make things up in your mind and your mind goes crazy and it makes up crazy things and it drives you nuts and you hate that. So if somebody is like that and they just they can just imagine the worst and that's just part of their personality or some trauma they had as a child that causes that sort of feeling of abandonment, then that has to be added to the equation and and you know maybe more communication has to happen while you're, you know, when you've met a new partner or if you're saying that there's feelings involved, you have to reassure your partner that, you know, you're always going to communicate what's going on. So that's just one, one small example, but for sure you have to be open about, yeah. Always, always through texting, all these through sound bites, phone calls. What about when oh. you're in, in both living in the same place? Are you still polyamorous? That's. That's, I think, the next stage that we're we're looking at because, I mean, Lada's not going to have a problem with this because uh, I'm sure Lada and I will talk on another episode anyway. But we um, we never had that opportunity, right? We were always apart. When we were together, we never even considered it. So it was actually unnecessary, which, you know, 
it defined itself. It, it was like, yeah, we don't need to be polyamorous. We're not monogamous, forced monogamy, but we're, we're just, the polyamory thing is also to make ourselves comfortable. So we can also switch to monogamy to make ourselves com comfortable at the same time. Just hypothetically, what if Lada wanted to remain polyamorous well, while you were living in the same place? Yeah, so... And I know. What, what, how would you react to that? Well, that's the thing. We've had so much communication that you... Like, that question, I think, might scare some people if they're in a relationship and they're thinking about hearing that. But I know that if, if Lada wanted that, she would come to me and allow me to express any of my concerns about it and we would be totally on the same page. Uh, as an example, there was a point when I was saying to Lada that it's, it's a good opportunity for her to be with whoever she wants at a certain time. I was away from her and I, I said, I'm not interested in being with anybody myself. And what happened was she had a hard time believing that because that, you know, there's all this socialization that, that makes someone think, like, how could somebody be like that? Why would they do that? So it's almost like she felt in the back of her mind, subconsciously, I think, she thought that I was trying to trick her so that it, the first instance of her being with somebody else, I could say, look what you did. Now I'm going to go fuck somebody. And it really wasn't that. It was that um, I was actually not interested and I was... So if I've been in a position of not being interested and offering it to her, I don't think I'd have a problem if we were together and she was interested in exploring whoever was around. Luckily, our progression has been to, to be having, we've had a few threesomes together and we've tried to pick, the, we picked the people together and we haven't had to worry uh, really about going out on our own. There is a separate story that I think I need to just talk, I mean, on this podcast, but talk about it with a lot of there, because it's, it's, it's a deeper story, but it involves another couple and how hard it is to have, I guess you'd call it a foursome to add two other people who are in a relationship themselves and to try to make that work is a whole other ball game. But, uh, yeah, that's sort of something we're working towards. Like two Ds and two, D, two Vs or like uh, <laughs> just two couples, you know? Well, so, yeah, that's the thing. Uh, two male and female couples. Um, I personally wish that I was more sexually driven towards men in some way, just out of convenience for my exploration at the at the moment because uh that would make me even more comfortable with that situation and then i could be we could all participate without there being an issue because the only conflict in a situation with two men and two women is typically not always but typically it's the two men they don't want to be intimate with each other and that can create this kind of vibe you know like where it's not it's not freedom to completely play with whoever's there. And there's just like, it's like a rule, you know, you, it's not like no rules. It's just, Oh, Oh, we can do this. But, uh, as long as he stays on the other side of the bed or something, you know, that kind of 
it just creates um, a little bit of a, a distance, a barrier. And yeah, I, I must be pretty damn straight because I can't wrap my head around try, uh, doing that. I just don't, uh, I don't, it's just something is pushing me away from, from trying that. You don't, you don't have to force sexuality upon yourself. I mean, you can, you can probably do it. You could probably condition yourself into it. But, and yeah. then, I, what? And then, in which case, like, you can do it, too. Like, if you'd like to, just take a little D at a time. And <laughs> just the tip, as, as men tell. <laughs> like, there's, get, like, straight, a lot They're of like, Come guys, on, come on, it's just the porn, tip. It pays better. All right. It'll take big cocks and go do gay porn with them. So, should I go from, like, little Ds to big Ds, or just a, a, a small amount of a big D? Um, well, <laughs> you should just take a small amount of a little D first. <laughs> you can move on to taking a little bit more of the little D, and you'll take maybe the whole little D after okay. a while. Well, on the top of you'll the move, vulnerability... Graduate from the little D to, like, a mid-sized D, you know? You know, average, like, maybe, like, me. You know? All right. So, Ben... <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Are, are you trying to lead into me asking you... Ben, have you ever been with a man intimate with a man in any way? Well, I mean, like, look, what what, what does it really matter whether, you know, you're in a relationship with and in love with this person and fucking this person or that person? It's completely arbitrary, right? Like, bonobos no, have I, gay And, you know, they, they're just like, yep, that, this is great. Let's do this. You know, like, I guess. I don't know what they're like. but I, you I know. know. That's what I wanted to be, a bonobo. <laughs> I'm, yeah, that's you're, you're avoiding my question. Did are you in? If you want to share, I'm curious if you've ever had any thoughts, intimate thoughts towards men, or any actual experiences, because it's not a, out of any kind of judgment. It's it's out of curiosity. I'm not like a afraid of like, you know, kiss kissing kissing a guy. I will kiss a guy, or like, it's not to me doesn't contain any like uh, sexual heat or any um but it, it does, it's not like repulsive okay yeah but i'll do it like i have no i have no i'd say disgust drive for it but i don't i'd have to like wean myself onto the d2 let, let, let me like i'm not gonna <laughs> like let's not go so far like i can just take the whole d right away but um gotcha. i'm not that comfortable well, I'm comfortable, like, you know, with being close physically with men and hugging men and I'll sleep in the same bed with another man. I don't care. Like, it doesn't bother me that kind of thing. Yeah. And I, guess. I can tell you that I did have one experience. I'd say it might, might be more than one, but I can remember it distinctly. Distinctly um, sitting, being sat down by my grade five teacher, Mr. Barry. I think his name is Mr. Barry. It might have not been. And I was, like, looking at his lips as he was talking to me. Yeah. And, like, all I would do was kiss his lips when I was in grade five. Oh, that's cool. Well, that's, uh, that was an experience in grade five there for me. I remember that. It kind of, like, made me, did that was a little, little gayness for me. But did it, did it, that, did it make you question? Female teachers. Yeah, but did it make you question your sexuality in any way, or did it just mean that you were sort of coming into 
uh, sort of coming into that age and developing. And just I anything, think, yeah. anything would be something to kiss. I think that was just maybe my sexual, my sex drive, testing that out in a way. In the, at that young age, being, you know, where I'm kind of developing a sexuality, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, fucking you know, boys, boys will fuck anything at that age. Like, to, you know what I mean? Wait, like, they'll just, like, hump. Young. You, don't, you can't even, you, don't have, you're not, you haven't hit puberty yet. I guess. But Yeah, like 10 okay. years old. Yeah, a 10 sounds like right at the beginning of all that, though. Yeah, it's like kind the of first like, little hints. It was just like, a direct, it was directed. It was directed feelings of uh, sexuality. It didn't matter where they landed, and then the, the resulting feeling will direct the next feel, next uh, display of for feeling of sexuality. Like the next time, I'm not gonna. That didn't really work out. Felt weird. I'm not gonna be sexually aroused by another man's lips again. You know. So Ben, I'm curious if um, if you met somebody you really like and. Um... They were either in a relationship, but they told you, you know, like, I'm po- I'm polyamorous. It's okay. We can fall in love, too. Or or they were not in a relationship, but they mentioned that they wanted that freedom to be polyamorous, which is actually easier at the beginning of a relationship, right? Because you're, you're not sure how it's going to work with them. I'm just curious, would you, what, would you take that person on, like, or would would that would that dissuade you at all from the relationship? Um, I think that I would take that person on, but in a way, I would it would be a total exploration for me, and it would not be necessarily what I'm used to, or even what I even thought I wanted. But I might be open to that if, like, I you know thought she was awesome and all that, right? So what does a partner represent to you then? Like, um, uh, like it's almost like a, a part. Yeah, a partner's like this life for lifelong rock. You know, you lean up against each other, with, and then like constant support, and you know, raise a family. Can count on you not to cheat, like those traditional boundaries that have been developed in modern Western civilization. And their origins date back to when North America wasn't really, uh, wasn't even at all occupied by Europe. It was back when they thought that going west, you'd hit India. They didn't know there was a continent. I mean, they, know, they knew the earth, the earth was round. They knew the earth was a sphere-ish. And, but they did not know that the continent in North America existed. Do you, how, clo- how close do you think... Like I know historically, the you're right. There's a his, the history of monogamy, but I'm I'm curious, how much of an influence do you think religion has? And I'm not saying that as like a loaded question, in that I'm saying, oh, it's all fucking religion. That's not what I'm saying. I'm 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 legitimately curious, if obviously religion does have some influence on it, yeah. but I'm the, yeah. the influence that religion has is only as the it the mechanism which behind the making the setting the boundaries setting the laws and set, well setting the social basically construct that, that comes into play like you know I'd say because the reason why we have monogamy 
or I mean, the, it seemed that the reason why we'd have monogamy it, that, is that it must serve some sort of purpose, right, for the greater good toward the success of past and current empires. And so, you know, living within the boundaries that have been burned into our civilization is just like, it's the norm and it's completely, it's completely fine and just as grand as, as it would be to live, live outside the boundaries and like be polyamorous and fuck bonobos and fuck, go fuck a horse and videotape it and, you know what I mean? Like going and doing weird, like way whack, or just even just living like a totally functional way of being that's non-mainstream, you know? And all of it is valid in a way, unless you're harming, I guess, like, you know, like you don't want, you don't want to be harming like horses and shit, right? Like, okay. So what about, what about flirting? I'm curious what you think about that. Flirting. Um, like somebody who's married. Like, somebody's married. Somebody's in a relationship. And again, this isn't the a, most cha- a challenge. Of, it's curiosity. Society wants to call it cheating, I think. Okay. But uh, okay. it's almost acceptable. Okay, so I have, a, I have a pretty good example of this. So uh, Lada... Is has been spending a lot of time with somebody who's married with a young child, and Lada. I was telling Lada, you know, I'm like, I'm like, he wants to be with you intimately, and she said, no, he's just a friend. But, but when she actually brought up the topic, um, it revealed that he was unhappy in his relationship and things like that. So, is he cheating already? If he's, you know, a three, three, two, three days a week, uh, and for, during free time, spending Cheating it with, is I'm just curious, is is that, is that fine? Is is that monogamy still? Well, you know, the status of their relationship could be such that it needs to take this route in order to find its end. You know, so what's wrong with that? You know, like, it's it's us labeling him figuring life out, yet still living conveniently with the, his partner who maybe he'd been with for a long time, and then landing the plane, you know, smoothly rather than abruptly, you know? Sure. But wouldn't wouldn't that mean suppression of, act, of like, his actual desire to fuck Lada? Um, if he has... Yeah, I mean, then then he'd be. I'm just saying how sort of guilt that would be associated with it, yeah, right? Like, I'm just wondering how that yields more communication in in the marriage, because it's not how like does he that can, communication with marriage. Like, well, how does that and how does that improve the communication? The the wife is unaware of the you know the thoughts he's having, and they have to be repressed. And he also can, can't communicate about even that event that happened because he's going to justify it as something that wasn't cheating. Like you said, it was, it's just flirting or it's just part of the, um, the path, trying to make a smooth path. But what if she does the same thing? What if they're both repressing things to the point where they just can't 
they take certain topics, certain areas of conversation, and they just cut them out like surgically from their relationship. And they say, oh, no, we're not going to that piece is not going to be part of our relationship. How many pieces can you remove before you have a very narrow scope, a narrow range of things that you could, you know, like your partner is supposed to be someone you can be most vulnerable to, like uh, without fear. And I've always been guilty of not communicating enough and thinking that it's not that I always wanted to be with other people. When I was monogamous in my marriage, I had no problem with it. I was, I totally respect what you're saying, Ben, and it's, it's exactly the approach I was taking. But I was kind of blindsided because I didn't even see the, 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 the communication breakdown because there were all these little pieces. And, you know, if I had feelings for another woman, that would be another piece that I couldn't, I wouldn't have been able to bring up and communicate with, with my wife. We're all just trying to learn from each other. And the ultimate result, I think, is just to not hurt your partner. I mean, that, that's the goal. Uh, I don't know about the result. I'm saying that's that's the that's what you're trying to do, but uh, I don't think there is such a thing as a perfect relationship, because by definition, a relationship is basically you're creating a need. You are seeing yourself as separate from the other person, and you're also seeing them as a part of you that needs is missing and needs to be filled, and they have to, and then that is imposed on them. The, a relationship is like an imposition on another person in some ways. Mm. And my attempt is to alleviate the imposition on Lada, if that makes any sense.